Hello, and welcome to another episode of our podcast recorded at the Seventh-day Adventist Church of Adairsville. I'm Jared, and we're delighted you're listening. But if you're ever in the area, we'd be even more excited if you dropped in to say hi and enjoyed some good Southern food with us. Okay, I want to ask you a question. This may be a little painful. Have you ever been offended by the way someone looked at you? You think anyone's ever been offended by how you've looked at them? There is a a song line from a few years ago. It said, if looks could kill, you would be an Uzi. (laughs) But today we're going to look at the story of two men, both were close beside Jesus through his public ministry. One will forever have his name etched in the foundation of the city of heaven. When we get there, we will be able to see this man's name etched in stone in heaven. The other is a different story. The background on the first, he was poor, he was proud, he worked with his hands, he was a tradesman. He was of the working class, a blue-collar man we call Peter. The second was shrewd, skilled, also proud, well-educated, a white-collar guy named Judas. And had Judas died before his last journey to Jerusalem, he would have been regarded as a man worthy of a place forever among the twelve, one who would have been greatly missed. Isn't that interesting? If he had died just before that last trip to Jerusalem. But these two men, Judas and Peter, unite because of their fascination with this Galilean named Yeshua. And so, as we celebrate this weekend, we're going to look at those last few moments and what it would have been our Thursday night in biblical accounts. Sundown to sundown is how you account a day. So, we say this would be Friday, but that night, this would have been our Thursday night, just for reference, all of the disciples and Jesus come together in what we call the Last Supper. And there is a declaration that someone is going to betray their friend Jesus. Who could it be? Peter boldly states he will go to death before he would betray and deny his friend Jesus. And they all leave dinner just before midnight. Well, that's all 11 of them because Judas has left the building. And they all head to the Garden of Gethsemane. On their way there, Jesus begins to look different. He begins to look burdened and stressed. And something is changing with how Jesus' face looks. The sin of humanity is bearing down upon him. And near the entrance to the Garden, Jesus leaves all but three of the disciples. 
And he brings into the garden Peter, James, and John. These three were some of his closest friends. They had seen his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. They'd seen Moses and Elijah talking with him. They'd heard that voice from heaven. And many times they came here to the garden to pray with Jesus. This was their little retreat. And so Jesus asks them, maybe even pleads with them, please, pray. This is no time to sleep. This is a time to pray. And that's probably a good, timely lesson for us at this moment. It's no time to be spiritually asleep. It's time to be awake. Well, as the night progresses, they hear Jesus praying for them. They fall asleep. This, this mob shows up in the garden. Peter gets upset, pulls out his sword, cuts off a man's ear, likely missing what he really wanted to do. And the disciples are terrified. Why is Jesus allowing himself to be bound like a prisoner? They're offended. They're embarrassed. This is the guy we follow. What are people going to think of us? They cannot understand his conduct. And they blame him for submitting to the mob. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes when you care for someone, the emotions get all confused and then you start blaming them for something. And in John 16, 32, we read the words, Jesus had foretold this would happen. Behold, he said, the hour comes and is now come that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. So Jesus is dragged out of the garden to the figurehead of the high priests, Annas. He's not the real high priest, Caiaphas is, but everybody knows who really runs the show. And as Jesus is being taken there, there's something else that is breaking his heart. No enemy is really affecting him at this moment. It's not the mockery of all the crowd around him. But he's been denied just now by one of his closest friends. They deny they even know this man. After deserting their master in the garden, two of the disciples had ventured, at their own risk, to follow at a distance the mob that had Jesus in charge. These disciples were Peter and John. The priests recognized John as a well-known disciple of Jesus and admitted him into the hall, hoping that as he witnessed the humiliation of his leader, he would scorn the idea of such a one being the Son of God. John spoke in favor of his friend Peter, and so Peter got in as well. And in the court, a fire had been kindled. This is the coldest hour of the night just before dawn. And as a number of individuals gather about the fire, Peter presumptuously takes a spot with them. He did not want to be known as a disciple 
of the Galilean. And by mingling carelessly with the crowd, he hoped to be taken for one of those who had brought Jesus to the hall. But as the light flashed upon Peter's face, the woman who kept the door cast a searching glance at him. Think about those looks people give us. There's the look, maybe it's in a meeting. You lock eyes with somebody. You're thinking what I'm thinking. Or there's that look when somebody looks at you and, I recognize you. Where do I know you from? Well, she looks at him and she says to herself, where do I know you from? She'd noticed him when he came in with John and she looked at his face and he seems to be very sad. And then she realizes, I think you're one of the disciples of Jesus. And she was one of the servants of Caiaphas' household and was curious to know. So she says to Peter, aren't you one of this man's disciples? Peter was startled and confused. Now everyone is looking at him. And he pretended to not understand her. But she was persistent. And she said to those around her, this man was with Jesus. And Peter felt compelled to answer and said furiously, woman, I don't know this man. And off in the distance, a rooster starts crowing. Peter tried to show no interest in the trial of his master. But his heart is breaking with sorrow as he hears what people are saying about his friend Jesus. He sees the abuse. We're told Jesus' beard is being ripped. He's being slapped. And his heart is breaking. And more than any of this, he's surprised and angry that Jesus would allow himself to be humiliated and thus humiliate his followers. And in order to conceal his true feelings, he started to join with the persecutors of Jesus in mocking and joking. But his appearance was unnatural. If you've ever been around someone, you know they're genuine, they're honest, and they try to lie. And it's just funny to look at. Well, this is Peter. Everyone knows you don't seem sincere in what you're saying. You're acting a lie. And yet while he's doing all this, he cannot contain his emotions at the, the anger he has for people abusing Jesus. And again, attention is called to him. You're a follower of Jesus. I knew I'd seen this guy before, following Jesus. And now, with an oath, I do not know that man. Still another opportunity is given to him. An hour had passed when one of the servants of the high priest, being a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, didn't I see you in the garden with this guy? You probably would remember 
someone who cut the ear off a relative. So he says, I've seen you. You're one of them. You're a Galilean, and your accent proves it. Especially here in the South, our accents can betray us. And for the Galileans, they were known with an accent. You are one of his followers. And at this moment, Peter flies into a rage. The disciples of Jesus were noted for their purity of speech. And in order to fully deceive his questioners and justify his assumed character, Peter now denies his master with cursing and swearing. And then off in the distance, he hears the rooster crow again. And Peter heard it. And he remembered the words of Jesus in Mark 14, verse 30. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. While the degrading words were fresh upon Peter's lips, he was cursing and mocking Jesus to prove he didn't know him. While those words had just escaped his lips, and the shrill of the crowing of the rooster is ringing in his ears, Jesus turns and looks away from these judges who are accusing him and looks straight into the eyes of his friend Peter. And this is where we would have that moment we'd never forget. Jesus turning to look at Peter and Peter turning to look at Jesus. And in that gentle countenance, Peter read deep pity and sorrow, but no anger coming from Jesus. The sight of that pale, suffering face, those quivering lips, that look of compassion and forgiveness pierced Peter's heart like an arrow. Think of that. He just tried to deny he even knows his friend Jesus three times. And Jesus looks at him, I still love you, Peter. It made me think about looking at that. Have you ever done something that you quickly regretted? You said something, you did something, or sometimes the worst, you gave someone a look that was more words than you ever could have bottled but you regretted it. This is where Peter's at right now. Regret is this heavy burden to carry. But in Peter, conscience is aroused because of the love coming from that beautiful look of Jesus, his conscience is aroused. His memory is now active. And Peter calls to mind the promise that he had made a few hours ago, I will go to prison or death before I would deny you. The proud Peter, realizing, man, I am scum. I made my friend a promise boastingly, proudfully, just a few hours ago. And yet he still loves me. 
He remembered his grief when the Savior told him in the upper chamber that he would deny him three times that night. Now bitter grief is overwhelming him. He now knew how much Jesus really knew him and how much he might have been deceived in knowing who Jesus really was. All these memories begin to flood in. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32 tell us all these memories are flooding into Peter. Jesus' tender mercy, his kindness, his long-suffering, his gentleness, patience, all these qualities they had known throughout Old Testament history were now embodied in Jesus, and he recalled the warning of Jesus. Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. Man, think about all these memories coming in. And he remembered with horror his own ingratitude, his falsehood, his perjury. And again, he looks at Jesus. And he sees someone lifting their hand and slapping Jesus across the face. And he no longer can endure to watch this. He rushes out, heartbroken, from the hall. He presses on through the crowds in solitude and darkness. He doesn't know where he's going, and he doesn't even care. Just get me out of here. I'm overcome with guilt, and I don't know what to do. Judas would have the same feelings a few minutes later, and yet their lives would end entirely differently. One would kill himself, and the other would be killed not denying Jesus. So as Peter is rushing through the crowds, he figures, I will go to the last place where I had this bond with Jesus, which is a good lesson. If you ever get in a situation where you feel like, I don't know where God is, where was the last place he was in your life? Go there. And so he goes to Gethsemane. The scene of a few hours before comes rushing into his mind. The suffering face of his friend and his Lord Jesus stained with bloody sweat. It's all he can see. He remembers with bitter remorse that Jesus had been crying and agonizing in prayer alone. While those who should have united with him in that terrible trying hour, like Peter, were sleeping. He remembered his solemn charge, Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And what was the temptation Peter was facing right now? Kill yourself. There is no mercy left for you. You denied this man, kill yourself. That is what the demons are screaming into Peter's ears. You have gone too far. Mercy has run out. He remembers the scene in the judgment hall. How Jesus is being humiliated at this very moment. And he finally finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, dropping to his knees, the Desire of Ages tells us, on the very spot 
where Jesus had been dropping drops of blood hours earlier. And he kneels down and he pours out his soul in agony. He falls upon his face and those demons begin to whisper, you should kill yourself. This is the end. Back in the hall, Judas is there. Jesus did not rebuke or turn away Judas. All through his ministry, he knew where this guy was tending. And he gave him a place among the twelve. He trusted him to do the work of an evangelist. Represent me, Judas, wherever you go. He gave him power to heal the sick and cast out demons. But Judas did not come to the point of surrendering himself fully to Jesus. He didn't give up his worldly ambition for the root of all evil. He loved money. He loved it. And while he accepted this position next to Jesus, he would not ever want to be just like Jesus. He wanted to retain his own judgment and opinions, and yet Judas had two things he loved to do. He loved to criticize people, and he loved to accuse people. So as the trial drew to a close, Judas could endure the torture of his guilty conscience no longer. The book, The Desire of Ages, gives us some insight into this scene. Suddenly, as this hall is filled in the middle of darkness, a hoarse voice rang out through the hall, sending a thrill of terror to all hearts. He is innocent! Spare him, Caiaphas! And the tall form of Judas, taller than most, starts walking through the crowd, pressing his way through everyone. People thinking, who is this guy? No one had been defending Jesus up to this minute. Remember, Peter was cursing, and he left. Now Judas is defending Jesus? Great drops of sweat are on his forehead. He looks pale. He looks exhausted. He is a wreck. And he rushes to the throne of judgment in front of everyone. He throws himself down before the high priest. He throws the pieces of silver that had been the prices of the Lord's betrayal. Eagerly grasping the robe of Caiaphas, he pleads with him to release Jesus. He has done nothing worthy of death. And Caiaphas shakes him off. Get away from me. And Caiaphas is confused and does not know what to say. But the conspiracy of the priests, now everyone realizes something is up. Did you guys give him money to do this? Did you bribe him? And Judas cries out, I have sinned. I have betrayed the innocent blood. But the high priest 
regaining his self-possession, answered, as Matthew 27, 4 tells us, what is that to us? You see to that. And Judas now casts himself at the feet of Jesus. Now I want to pause here. This story is very important to know. You can never really judge what all is going on just by a few details in a story. Because right now, Peter has probably gone off to kill himself. I would if I was him. You just denied your best friend, and you're gone. But Judas, who I heard some rumors about, he really loves Jesus, and he's now at the feet of Jesus, admitting he has sinned. You see how, how deceived you could be if you just looked at this moment? Someone could have walked out of the hall, gone off and told this story, not knowing how it ended. So Judas casts himself at the feet of Jesus, acknowledging him, you are the Son of God. Please deliver yourself. And Jesus does not rebuke Judas. But he knows that Judas, like he knew of Lucifer, was not fully repentant. His confession was forced from his guilty soul by an awful sense of condemnation and a looking for of judgment. Listen to this. But he felt no deep, heartbreaking grief that he had betrayed the spotless Son of God and denied the Holy One of Israel. And yet still Jesus speaks no word of condemnation. And again, that look. He looks at Judas. And he says to him, this is why I came into the world. And a murmur of surprise runs through the assembly. Look at the patience and kindness of Jesus toward his betrayer. And everyone realizes this man is more than a mortal. Judas has a choice. And he realizes all of his pleadings with Jesus are in vain. He's not even listening to me. He's going to continue to allow himself to be embarrassed, and I'm embarrassed too. And he follows in the footsteps of Peter, and he rushes out of the hall. I need to go somewhere. I don't know where I need to go. And the demons really turn it up on Judas. It's too late. It's too late. You don't want to live to see this man actually die, do you? You should kill yourself. And so as he's rushing, and Peter... You think about all these demons, how excited they are. We may get two of these guys in one night. Because that's all the enemy's kingdom wants. Just death. And for some reason, Peter remembers, John 6.37 talks about it, whoever comes to me, Jesus said, I will never drive away. He remembers those words, 
God so loved the world. He loved Peter that he's giving himself up right now for me. That anyone who believes, that even me, Peter, who believes, I don't have to die, but I can have everlasting life. And Peter gets up off of his knees, and boy, he becomes a mighty force of the church. Nothing stops Peter the rest of his life. He never denies Jesus again. Judas is overwhelmed. This is not what I thought. And he takes his own life. The last words spoken to Peter by Jesus are, follow me. By Galilee. Jesus says to him, Peter, follow me. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to us, Come to me, all who are tired and stressed, and I will give you rest. And in a world that is a hot mess, where the burdens of family and work and stress and all these demons screaming at us, you should have more. You should have that title. You should have that better job. My prayer is that we will listen to that voice that Peter listened to and not the one that Judas did. And remember those words of Jesus. Come to me. I will give you rest. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and food for your spiritual life, go to adairsvillesda.com.